Praise God. I want you to take your Bibles uh, this evening and go with me to Corinthians, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. As you're turning there, just a few quick announcements. Uh, Sunday, uh, Father's Day, we're going to have a Father's Day breakfast. Men, come on. All right, and you're all of your men, all of our men's honor, and so uh, we'll be preparing. Uh, if anyone would like to, what time they need to be there? Eight thirty Sunday morning. Any of you ladies would like to help with the preparation? Uh, we sure would appreciate that. Eight thirty Sunday morning. Uh, also, if you want uh, to purchase Ryan's Black Label Jerky. Uh, there's still time to do that. If you'll sign in the foyer uh, on the information table, they'll have those available. Men, we're going to have some gifts for you. We're going to celebrate our men because we need the men of God in this time, don't we? Amen. Uh, be in prayer for Bibles and Burgers. They're going to be meeting over at the Economy Inn from noon to 3 on Saturday. And then also there's a, a, a wedding shower coming up on June 26th for... Uh, Jacob and Julia, so thank you for your support. And I want to say thank you to our church. What a, what a loving, wonderful, giving group of people. Uh, we had in the midst of the, we've, we've served food in the rain. We have served food in the, in the snow. And now we have served uh, food in the blistering heat. So thank you for coming out and uh, everybody's showing up, working hard. And uh, as I was telling somebody before service tonight, our church is so faithful when uh, not everybody can be here every time, but there always seems to be those that just kind of fill in. We were able to, to service 300-plus uh, families yesterday, so we just thank God for that opportunity. I want you to look here uh, with me tonight, and I want us to go over to 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. And to help some of you catch up on your Bible reading today, I'm going to go ahead and read that whole chapter. Is that all right? Is that all right? <clears throat> before we do that, though, let's go to the Lord once more, because each time that I get step before you, I want the Spirit of the Lord to speak to you. I just want to be so hidden in the, in the shadows of the cross that you could just hear his voice, because I know the Lord has something he wants to share with you. Father, I come before your throne once again, and Lord, you know my need for you. And Lord, we acknowledge our need in this house. Lord, we want to bear your image and your likeness. Lord, we need the power and the presence of your spirit. I pray for the anointing that crushes yokes and opens blinded eyes, causes lame to walk. Lord, we love you and we need you today in Jesus' name. But before I, before I go to the text tonight, I want to share a few thoughts with you. As the pastor... I pray for you as I know you pray for me. In fact, I get spoilt by your prayers. And I, I want to ask you, if you don't have anything to pray about, or if you need practice praying, just go ahead and pray for your pastors, okay? Because we could take it. In fact, when we went to Veracruz, I could sense the tangible touch of your prayers and the prayers that took place. Every single step that we stepped through, God was there, feeling it, feeling it. I'm telling you, you could get spoilt to that atmosphere. So let me tell you, I don't just need it in Veracruz. I need it in the USA. So, so I'm, I'm asking and, and soliciting, just asking you, please be in prayer, be in intercession, because I, I don't believe we'll get to where we need to go without approaching God on a regular basis. We're, we're not earning anything. It's already bought and paid for, but... I want to know what his mind is. I want to know, Father, what's on your heart today? Lord, what do you want to say to your people in this hour? And then once the message comes, there's got to be a reception. There's got to be not just a bringing in, but there's got to be a giving out. And so you help in that because we're in partnership. And so I encourage you, be in prayer. Prayer is 8.30 on Saturday morning also if you need some help. Also, the Lord's vision as I was praying, praying over you and asking the Lord for his vision for you the dreams the purpose he has for you and this is what the Lord dropped in my heart he said dreams will be realized 
hear that? Dreams will be realized as a result of internal formation. Internal alignment. As we understand the completed work of Christ in us individually, as we discover, as I've said this before, if we get an internal, eternal perspective, then we will begin to see the manifestation of the kingdom of God. As the Lord just reminded me, an internal formation will cause the external manifestation of the kingdom of God. As the Lord lifts the fog of lies about who we are not, we will discover the reality of the open veil within us. See, the veil has been opened at Calvary. We'll talk about that further in just a few minutes. But see, there's always this cloud of lies that the enemy wants to keep us under. And those lies are what we are not. But once we begin to clear that, we'll begin to see. We must, and hear this, I want you to hear this, church, and you'll hear me say this more and more. We've got to forsake the idea of personal destiny and seek to leave a legacy. Let's get away from this, how did this affect me and how can I get to where I need to go and what is it going to benefit me and me and me? And at the end of the day, I've got the accolades and the applause, but we're not here for personal destiny. We're here for legacy. In fact, I want to ask you this. If it's not transferable, can we rightfully call it transformational? If it's not transferable, can we rightfully call it transformational? I've got to not just receive from the Lord, but see, he's interested in nations and generations. Be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the other most parts of the earth. I've reached the point in my Christian walk that I realize the heart of the Father in just a measure. And the heart of the Father is for the kingdom of God to continue after long after I'm gone. To pass the baton, to lay the legacy, to seek God, do what only God can do. Now, as we step into this message tonight, I, I want us to look here in 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. As I was in prayer today, the Lord spoke again and just pressed something on my heart. Just one of those moments where I knew it was the Lord, not me. He said, if you truly want to know who you are, you must look at me. Anybody ever ask the question, who am I? What's my purpose, God's plan, his desire? See, I think we've, we spend a lot of time in introspective, introspection looking at who I look trying to find me when I discover who I really am in Christ he said if you want to know who you are listen to me church if you want to know who you are look at him if you want to know who you are look at him if you want to know who you are meant to be look at him if you want to know how to love your family look at him if you want to know how to reach the world, look at him. If you want to know how to be a, a, a loving husband, look to him. If you want to know who you are, look to Jesus and stop looking at you. Now with that said, I want to look here in 2 Corinthians. You didn't know I was ever going to get to the text, but here we are. Let's look here in 2 Corinthians 3. Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. Do we need, as some others, epistles, commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? He said, you are our epistles written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, 
but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. Verse 4, and we have such trust through Christ toward God. Don't you love that? Our trust in the Lord is through Christ. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But at the ministry, verse 7, of death, notice what he calls the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look stead steadily at the face of Moses because the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how would the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? I want you to notice this in verse 9. For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. Now, what's, what's the true definition of righteousness? It's not moral standing. Would you read righteousness? I want you to read it because we're not taking from or adding to. It is the actual definition of righteousness. As you ought to be. As you ought to be. For in the, in the ministry of condemnation and glory, the ministry of as you ought to be exceeds much more in glory. That is, as you ought to be in Christ, okay? For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect. In other words, what he's saying because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. What he's saying is that, that the, 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 the commandment, the ministry of condemnation etched in stones, you, you realize when we, when we look at Moses, the commandments were etched in stone. He brought them down from the mountain. That's what he's calling the ministry of condemnation. And when he stepped down from the mountain, he, he, his, the glory, he, he shone. His countenance was changed. I think I'm not going to get even touch that, but Andrew's going to, she's going to elaborate on that sometime in life class. But as, as he comes down off of the mountain, we see that his countenance is changed and there's a glory that's resting there. But he said there's a greater glory that's coming. There's a greater glory that's coming. It's not just going to change a single man. It's going to change nations. It's going to change individuals. Oh, it's a, it's a glorious kingdom, a, a, a message of righteousness. Now, verse 12, Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded. For unto this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as the Spirit of the Lord. Now, one last verse in the Passion Translation, verse 18. For we all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. With no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image 
as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. As we look here to the Word of God, that Greek word transformation is metamorpho. Metamorpho. It's the same word used when Jesus was transfigured on the mountain. It is also the same word used in Romans 12 too for our, for our transformation through the renewing of our thoughts and our minds. The source of our transformation comes from Christ's glory and the destination we are brought to is more glory. In other words, our transformation comes from the glory of Christ and we are changed into a greater image of God through that glory. The transforming glory is the result of gazing upon the beauty and the splendor of Jesus Christ. So I say to you again, if you want to know who you are, you have to look at him. Now the word tells us there that it's like looking in a mirror. Now if I look in a mirror, I'm always wondering where does this old man come from? Where a young man used to be. Ran into an old friend at Hot Springs and because I was having a conversation, I said, you know what? Are you getting younger? He looked at me and said, no, you've just gotten old. I said, I, 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 I resemble that remark. But when we look in the mirror, it's not our reflection we're looking at. That's the point of what Paul is saying. He's saying when you look in the mirror, you should be looking at the reflection of Christ. So as I look to, if I want to know who I am, I, I don't go into introspection anymore. I'm telling you, we get bogged down with introspection. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with the world? Why can I get this? Why can I get that? All my hope is in my expectation, and I lose hope of God. So I, 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 someone said this, and they said that, and all of a sudden, we turn to this introspection. Am I pleasing God? Am I not pleasing God? Am I doing right? Am I not doing right? All of this, all this warfare that takes place in our mind, in our spirit, because we're, we're looking at and trying to source our righteousness from our works and not from the completed work of Christ. If I don't do this spiritual calisthenic, and if I don't move just exactly at this moment, then God's going to be displeased with me, and I'm out of the favor of God. If you're out of the favor of God, it's because you're out of Christ. But if you're in Christ and Christ is in you, that means that you've been born again, that you reckon yourself dead to sin and alive to God. And every time that the enemy tries to bring you back into this fog of lies telling you you'll never measure up and you're not who you should be, you don't take the bait. You just step into Christ Jesus. You already, as you ought to be, in Christ. Now, as we look at that, we see, if you look at Jesus, you begin to see yourself. I know that. I know what you're thinking. You're, you're thinking immediately, that's, that's too arrogant. That's too arrogant, preacher. You can't say that. I didn't say that. He said that. I didn't say that. He said this. As he is on the earth, so are we. First John tells us that. Now, it's, I know it's a new line of thinking in, in so many because our, our, our thoughts many times try to betray us. But if we begin to stop and reflect the glory, reflect the glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father is who? Jesus. According to, to John 1, the glory of the Father, the only begotten of the Father is Jesus. Jesus is the manifest 
expression and glory of the Father. And he told Philip, he said, if you've, Philip said, Jesus, show us the Father. He said, if I've been with you so long that you don't know, if you see me, you see the Father. But see, when Christ ascended, he said, i got to go, because if I don't go, I can't send the Spirit back, the Holy Spirit back. And the Holy Spirit leads into holy living. He's the one who will come back, and he will tell you who you are. He'll remind you what I told you you are. See, so when he comes back, he reveals to us the heart of the Father, so that when the world sees us, they should see Jesus. When my children see their father, they should see the display of Jesus. When they see their mother, they should see Jesus. I didn't care one thing about being a witness to the world if I couldn't be witness in my own house. I grew up in a household that was, was not that way. A stepfather who was smiles and grins and had everything together when he came into the presence of other people and even as a small child I was thinking you are a lying manipulator so I didn't want I wanted to be who I was in the public is the same person I am in private what you sees is what you get <laughs> amen and I want to be able to treat my kids and my wife and my home better than I would treat anybody in the world. But I don't want to treat the world badly. I want to be just as accommodating and kind to my kids as I am to the rest of the world. Nor would I allow my children to live like they had this big yoke of expectation setting over their life. That if you failed, that you, you have dishonored all of us. I said, no, you got to find Jesus just like I found Jesus. The Lord doesn't have grandchildren. He has children. So what I'm saying to you, it's only by the strength of Christ. Because my biggest prayer is, Lord, help me not to mess my kids up. What we see here, behold his glory. And then you are transfigured from glory to glory. Now, I, I love to do word searches or word searches, word uh, studies. The mirror, the truth of God's word, the, the reflection of, of the Father to us. We discover our identity as we look at Christ's revelation, at Christ's revelation. And that word glory is doxa, doxa. It means, it means opinion. And it's always used in the good sense in the New Testament. It means praise, honor, and glory. It is the unspoken manifestation of God. It invokes good opinion. Something has inherited intrinsic worth. So we are being changed from glory to glory as we reflect the image of God. But that word glory also means approval. When I look at Jesus and I discover, wait a minute, I didn't get here on my own and I can't make it on my own. The only thing I did is when I fell under conviction, I accepted the sacrifice. And now that I was, I was unrighteous, I was not as I ought to be. Now I'm righteous because uh, I see Jesus. And, and when I see Jesus, wait a minute, if I can see Jesus, I can see me. And if I can see me, I can. It means the absolute perfect inward or personal excellence. His righteousness and all the things that we worry about, the word of the Lord says, will be added unto us. The Bible tells us that the righteous shall live by faith. My faith is not in me. It is this righteousness is not sourced from me. It has been imputed over me. There's been a declaration of righteousness, and now it has been imparted. It's a gift externally given to me. So the glory... If I, why is it important to read the Word of God? Because you can't know the God you don't spend time with. Amen? 
You're not earning anything. You're learning how to walk. You're learning how to, the God will clear that fog and all of a sudden you'll realize, wait a minute, that veil to the throne room of God is wide open. Condition with God the Father in heaven to which Christ raised after he achieved his work on earth. Of the power of God that dwells in them. It is, the, it is the power, and it's the power that helps me to face my fears. It's the power that helps me to face my sin. It is the power that helps me to conquer. Mm. This word glory is where he is said to have been in the same condition before his incarnation even before the beginning of the world he raised us he was taken up this glorious condition of blessedness into which it is appointed and promised that true christians shall enter after the savior's return i just say i'm looking at jesus and i'm contemplating wait just a minute i'm looking at the mirror of who he desires for me to be who we are thank you for the help over in the left corner over here we should do some tag teaming sometime I might just do it on the fly so we can get ready so what we see could we stop a minute think about it Jesus came to this earth to bring us into fellowship with the Father he wants you to know him. He wants you to feel what he feels, know what he knows. He wants to share life with you. He wants you to know that you are more than a conqueror. He wants you to know that you are, you are made to, to, to be intimate with him in walking day-to-day a, a -day with him not in a sense of trying to fight off fear but living in a place of peace contemplating who you are reflecting the glory of God now we see in Genesis 28 and 11 there is Jacob as we we look at a, a, a quick emphasis as we look at the a reflection there in the Word of God we see that Jacob is en route to Laban's house and he lays his head upon a rock and while he's laying his head there sleeping that night, he has a dream and in that dream he sees then he dreamed and behold a ladder was set up on the earth. Its top reached heaven and there the angels of God were ascending and descending upon that. I don't know about you but I might be a little, it's like wow. God was speaking, and he was speaking from the top of that ladder, and the angels ascending and descending, and that's a beautiful story as it goes. But Jesus gave the revelation of what that story meant, as he told Nathaniel in John 1 and 51, and he said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. In other words, Jacob, what Jacob saw in that dream was me. The connection between earth and heaven, the connection between sons and daughters to their father. How are we going to get there? You're not going to get there on your own. You get there through the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You get there because he brought you there. There is no other way to the father. There is no other way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to the father. The, the answer comes in through by him every reflection in the word of God. He is Noah's ark saving the world. He's the ram caught in the thicket that Abraham found. He is every sacrifice that was ever made of every innocent blood throughout the word of God. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the glorious God and King. He is. And if he is, so are we in this earth. Come on. So are we. See, transformation generally transforms something. 
if it's not changing, it wasn't changed. It wasn't the changer. So what we see here, as we reflect, as we look in the mirror of the glory of Jesus, he's the glory, he's the mirror, he's the reflection. As we look in that reflection of Christ, we, he stares back at us. And the more that we contemplate, the more that we consider, the more that we reckon. I like what Paul he used to say that all the time when we were kids. Well, I reckon so. I reckon. Sounds a little southern, doesn't it? You all, as he also puts in some of his letters. Maybe it's from South Galilee. Anyway, we look here. And what we see is that Paul tells us there to confess consider to contemplate and as we we do that as we look at Christ we understand that Christ is our connection to the Father but also what we see here in Jacob's revelation in Genesis 28 16 he says then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it and he was afraid and said how awesome is this place this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Now, you notice there, as we read in our text, how that there was a veil that rested over the mind. They put a veil over, over Moses, and Paul is using an analogy there. He said it's, it's the same as there is... A blinder on the on the minds of people that they can't see beyond the the ministry of condemnation the the ministry of death why did he call it that it's not that the law the Torah instruction is bad it's just that it could not be fulfilled without righteousness it could not produce righteousness because there's no one that could fulfill all of those laws written in that instruction. Just, it was not possible. That was the point. You can't, you can't fulfill those things. And let me tell you, legalists, legalists are the ones that try to go by the merits of every law that is written, but the, the legalists are only selective. They're selective. I had someone stand in the back of the church years ago in this church and talking about how that we got to go back to the Jewish roots. I said, no, it's been fulfilled in Christ. We don't need to go back to the Jewish roots. Well, you, you can't celebrate certain holidays. You can't have certain emblems. You can't have this. You can't have that. I said, if you're going to go by that, you better take off your Nike tennis shoes because that's a, that's a Greek god. And your wife better get into a, a, a longer skirt because you can't wear those blue jeans. Men's clothing. Come on. That's not, what it, that's not the life that we're meant to live. We're meant to live in the liberty of the righteousness as we are as we ought to be in Christ. In Christ. Because no human righteousness could fulfill the righteous requirements of the law until Christ Jesus came and fulfilled it all. Now, how are we righteous? In him. In him. Only in him. In him. In him and him alone. How do we know we have faith? We have stopped our works. We're not striving there anymore. We're just believing in him. We believe what he did was enough. Does that give us a license of sin? Good gosh, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. He, brought, he didn't just fulfill the righteousness uh, so we can uh, keep e eating in the, out of the pig pen, out of the slop trough. Uh, he, well, he brought us uh, into the life, uh, living liberty of the Spirit of God. Uh, he saved us uh, from sin, from Satan, from ourselves uh, so that we can now walk in fellowship with the one because we're not reflecting the, enemy, the image of the enemy. We are reflecting the image of Christ. Uh, and I don't see anywhere in the word that Jesus sinned 
I promise you. If you will awake to as you ought to be, awake to righteousness, you will forsake sin because sin will no longer have a taste in your mouth. You'll be a new creature. Feeding your palate will change. So we see there was a veil over their face. And Paul was using an analogy and he said What's that, that glory that was he was changing back. Let's put this veil over you and we're going to leave it on there until you change back to who you were before you went up. You see, Paul also is showing the analogy. There's a covenant that's glorious fading. And it's not that it faded entirely, but there was such a greater glory that was coming. It's like, it's like, having these spotlights which are bright right now you guys not not that you there's you have it on a perfect setting i'm just using this no you're good you're good so i got this spotlight shining on my my face and it's bright and it's it's what it reveals some things but if i take that outside in the in noonday and put it up against the sun <laughs> can you see it that old covenant of death had a glory that will lead us to life in Christ. But when we take that light of that glory out into the real light, uh, not the manufactured light, uh, but we take it out into the light uh, that God created the, the sun, and we stand in the middle of the noonday, we discover, wait a minute, uh, this is so much brighter than the one that we came out of. Why do I want to turn back to that light when I got all this light? When I got all this light, it brightens my whole day. Everything. I could see much further. So as we look here, there's a veil there that Paul said is going to be removed. That veil over the heart is going to be removed when we come to Christ. Jesus said, I am now, the Hebrew word for veil is veil or curtain. The Greek word for veil is veil or door. Jesus said, I am the door of the sheepfold. When Christ Jesus died, see, for 1,500 years, that veil could was only passed through one time a year. One time. Just go in and out on the Day of Atonement. You go in, sprinkle the blood, you come out. Just one time. Hmm? A door, on, they only have an opening one day a year. But when Christ came, they were still going through the requirements of the law but could you imagine those priests that day and father I don't know that they could physically see it in the earthquake but nonetheless the Bible says from top to bottom not from bottom to top from top to bottom not from bottom to top but from top to bottom what would take 12 yoke of oxen on either side with the woven fabric of the of the cherubims that were weaved into uh, and looking over and guarding uh, that way to the entrance to the presence of God that was ripped in two from top to bottom because when Christ Jesus said it is finished he gave his spirit he yielded himself as a sacrifice for our sins the author of Hebrews declares to us that the door into the holies of holies uh, was open through Jesus Christ uh, so that door now is open in every heart of everyone uh, who believes that the righteousness uh, comes uh, and is imparted uh, by Jesus and Jesus alone uh, and now that veil is taken off of our eyes uh, and now all we do is just contemplate who we are in Jesus 
And the more he, by the Spirit, reveals to us who we are, the more glorious our life becomes. And the more and the further the kingdom of God will stretch. I don't know about you, but that is awfully good news. <laughs> that I don't have to strive anymore to work, to be in right standing with God. You know, the first step of being in right standing with God is to be seated with Christ, is to rest in the completed work. And if you have in your mind you've got to go through a mountain of spiritual calisthenics to get in right favor and standing with God, you haven't understood the completed work of Christ. The completed work of Christ completes us. And the more we reflect on that, he gives us the power to do what we are supposed to do, when we're supposed to do it, and how we're supposed to do it. And he's not a father that's looking saying, well, I told you to go there and you didn't, so you're out. We hear a lot of that in our hearts, don't we? You're out. I'm finished with you. No. No. We are as we ought to be in Christ. Now, my faith is in him. My faith is in him. Father, can I be the father I need to be? My faith is in him. Father, how can I be the husband I need to be? My faith is in him. Father, how can I minister your truth and accomplish your will? My faith is in him. Father, we come before you tonight to combat condemnation the Lord to stand in the renewness the newness of a mind father I ask in the name of Jesus that the the cloud of lies would just vaporize that we may see the veil has been opened in you and look up here at me for a moment your true identity Thank you, Russ. So appreciate it. Love you guys. Keep me on track. Your true identity is Jesus. Your true image is Jesus. So as we look at this, we forsake the condemnation because we are in Christ, Jesus. Now, I had this thought. If, if I could stand Dennis up, and any child of God in here, I'm just going to use Dennis because he doesn't care. You don't care, do you? If I could stand Dennis up, and if I could just open up spiritually, I'm not going to open you up, but if I could just open open him up, if there's, say there's a zipper, you got a zipper, i got a zipper, I'm just zipping, and I just can open Dennis up, you know what I would see? I know some of you are thinking, oh, heart and lungs. No, we're spiritually speaking. Oh, we see Jesus, but we would see an open door to heaven. We would see just beyond the just beyond the portal of the heart, there is an entire, oh, it's bigger than the world we're living in. It is mammoth. It's the throne of God. It's heaven above. There's resources. There's angels. There's all kinds of saints that go before. There's heaven above. It is a connection point. What is it called? It's called the gate of heaven. What did Jesus call it? He called it the doorway. I am the door of the sheepfold. What is it? We are the very gate of heaven so that when he goes to the Father, and he ascends to the Father as he is, as he has given himself as a sacrifice. The door of eternity has been opened, and now we can walk in and out and have our being in Christ. You see, it's not just Dennis. It's Tawana because she taught him. No, I'm just kidding. It's every child of God. Every born-again child of God who've accepted the sacrifice of Christ 
and put their faith in Jesus, heaven is opened up to us. And now we are as we ought to be in Christ. We are as we are to be in Christ. Would you stand with me? We wait just a moment on the Spirit of the Lord. Merciful God. Merciful God. Merciful God. Lord Jacob, he described it. Lord, he named it so efficiently, so precisely. Lord, I know that you spoke those things to him, but God, we just thank you. This is Bethel. This is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. This is where heaven meets earth. The kingdom of God is not with observation. But Lord, you said the kingdom of God is within us. And Lord, if let us see beyond ourselves. But Father, I pray for a transformation. Could you agree with me? Let's just intercede right now for our families. Let's intercede right now for our community. Uh, let's just begin to see. Let's just begin to intercede. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for internal formation, internal alignment, Lord God. Lord, we pray for a transferable transformation. We pray, Father God, that, Lord, that there may be a transferable transformation, Lord. We're not just interested in us, Father God, our four and no more, Lord God. We're interested in the world. We're interested in generations and nations, Lord God. We're interested in our children and our children's children, Lord God. We want to see, Father God, a move of your spirit. Lord, we believe by your spirit, Lord God. Lord, there is liberty and freedom, Lord God. And we, the children of God, where the law kills, the spirit gives life. There is life in the spirit, and there is a freedom in the spirit. Spirit. And Lord God, you have called us to walk in a liberty and a freedom, Lord God, in you. That Lord God, let it begin here in me, in us right now, Father. I ask in the name of the Lord God, as we forsake God, the ideology, Lord God, of personal destiny. And Lord God, we strive, Father God, for legacy. We want legacy in this house. We want our children to know you, to be filled by your spirit. Lord God, to be doing, Lord, what you've called them to do. Lord God, we want to lay hands upon the sick and by the glory of God, not the glory of man, not the glory of the vessel, not the glory of a denomination, but the glory of Almighty God by the blood sacrifice. Lord, we want to flow by the Spirit of the Lord. And you have been exposed. You will get your condemnation self out of here. In the name of Jesus, we declare liberty. In the name of Jesus, we declare restoration. In the name of Jesus, we pray freedom upon the minds and the hearts. We declare, Lord, we are free in Jesus' name. Now, Father, we ask, merciful and mighty God, merciful and mighty God, Lord, I release in this house a spirit of intercession, Lord God, that, Lord, will awaken hearts and minds and souls, that, Lord God, will draw people into your glory. Lord God, from glory to glory, they will be changed. I release, oh Lord God, the knowledge of the image of the wisdom of God, that, Lord, we will walk in our true identity, Lord God, and, Lord, we will minister to our family first, and, Lord God, we will minister, Lord God, to our city and to the world around us. Lord, in Jesus' name, Jesus' name, my God, let us hear, receive, and believe the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If righteousness is as we ought to be, unrighteousness is as in and no one goes out. He said, he carried on to, he went on to say, nah, that's not it. You know it, John 10, 10. Thief comes to kill, steal. In the same 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 line of thinking, 
He says, the enemy comes to, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. He wants to steal your home. He wants to kill your relationships. He wants to take everything from you. That's not God. Stop blaming him for what the devil's doing. You're losing your home. You're losing your family. You're losing your resources. You're losing, you tell you what, you've got to provide for your house. He that doesn't provide for his house is worse than an unbeliever. Kill, steal, and destroy. Kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life. Life means abundance. Life means I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless you, and I'm going to bless you so that you can bless others. I'm, I'm going to walk. You're going to walk in blessing. And but that blessing is going to become a blessing. And it's not going to come to poverty. It's going to come to blessing. The enemy steals, kills, and destroys. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life. I want to give you life. You're meant to have life. I want life living inside of you. I want life living inside of you. I want a life of abundance. Quit holding back and start releasing. Start letting go. So tonight we're going to pray. We're going to pray again for the for human coalition. We prayed Sunday, but tonight I want us to pray as we close tonight as our mission's prayer point to human coalition. Because there are those, because of the circumstances they're in, feel like there's no other recourse because they're sourcing it themselves. And they're convinced by a lie that all they have in them, the answer is to destroy that life. But tonight, we're going to pray once again because I believe it is so vitally important. Thank God for the 23,000 lives that were saved since the inception of this ministry called Human Coalition. But there's still work to be done children are being aborted from the womb at the rate of a million a year we need to pray we need to pray for the aftermath of those who have fallen into that trap that are trying to live out in their own heart the pain of what they were deceived into doing come on father in the name of Jesus we come before you tonight and Lord we pray my God that this ministry and so many others, Lord God, that are endeavoring on the front lines, Lord God, to protect unborn lives. Lord God, I pray in Jesus' name. We ask in the name of the Lord Lord God, and for grace and for true inner healing to take place in that child, Lord, in Jesus' name. God bless you tonight. Thank you as you give this evening. And we'll see you back Saturday at 8.30. And remember breakfast at 9.30 on Sunday morning. If you can help uh, assist, just be here, ladies, at 8.30. God bless. We love you and appreciate you. And we'll see you all back here on Sunday. God bless.